Last night, under the aegis of the Temple of Gaius Grey, the crew of the Westbreaker joined the remnants of the Glacier Legion and shared a meal and an uneasy rest. Outside the sacred labyrinth, night fell over the Westbreaker. Cannon fire split the air as a shapeless swarm of shadows spilled out onto the pristine ice. Shining spears of light assembled and fell into the wicked congregation. But the battle was never meant to be won. The damaged Westbreaker limped away from shore, saving its cannon fire and magic for the horrors daring enough to take to the air, and its damaged boilers for the return of its captain. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. I'm your host, Kat, and I, too, have a damaged boiler. Mm. It's a wonder I make it anywhere. Kathleen is here. Kathleen understands. I understand. I understand. My big issue, I think, that I'm foreseeing here is that I can count to a thousand. But to be honest, I don't think I've got a real good concept of what a thousand is, aside from a number. What are numbers? What even? No, it's like the number part that I get. Yeah. But like a thousand things? Yeah. That might as well be innumerable. Thousand is a lot of things. I mean, yeah. It is numerable, but it's not like practically numerable. Like to picture it. Nick, you want to weigh in on this? It depends on what you have. Okay. Like a thousand grains of rice is like probably a bag of rice, but a thousand cats is too many cats. Yeah. Depends on how big your place is. And I mean, it's fine to have a thousand grains of rice, but I'm not going to count them. Ah, now we see that Cat truly isn't a vampire. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) Yeah. Put a bowl of rice in front of me, I'll just tip it over. Flip you off. That's not in the legends. That's not what they do. It is part of your namesake, though. Oh, because cats also flip things, flip people the bird. Cats, yeah, cats knock things over and flip you off. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> I heard that the reason they've started adapting thumbs, <laughs> the reason polydactyl cats exist, is so that they can flip us off. That tracks. Yep. Yep. Previously on Sort of Symphony. <laughs> God. This is like when we got on the subject of whales, isn't it? No, it's not anywhere near that bad, especially if we keep going. (laughs) So previously on Sword of Symphonies, you shacked up with the Glacier Legion in the Temple of Gaius Grey. I talked about all that in the intro. You were there. And have made your way back to the Westbreaker, which is undergoing repairs after the horror attack of the previous night. Gideon is awake and has sworn never to fall asleep again. We'll see how long that takes. That's fine. And night is falling, and the Westbreaker is not yet mobile. We cut off the last episode with the world turning red and orange in anticipation. What's everybody doing with their last hour before nightfall? I think Penelope is anxiously, like, keeping as good a watch as she can because she knows nightfall is a horrible time up here on the surface. So just anxiously keeping an eye of anything amiss. Is the Westbreaker still in the ice flow? It is. 
you can see a swath of recently broken ice that's kind of started freezing back over behind it. It pulled further away from shore and came back at daytime, basically. Mm. Tiss is interested in two things right now. First, how good an edge she can get on her spear. And second, what's the plan? There are military people here. Surely they're good at planning. Surely. Surely they are good at planning. Surely someone on this ship has tactics. Surely someone... Surely most of the people on this ship have tactics as a class skill. (laughs) Maybe. Not you. Nobody meant you. Do you have tactics? What's Cobb up to? Yeah, what is Cobb up to? Cobb is probably helping folks move stuff around and, like, get things. Anything that can be, like, stored inside, stored inside barring doors, that kind of stuff. Anything that isn't super necessary, get it all blocked up. We don't want a horror, like, running in and trying to bite, you know, Sot or Clara or something. Yeah, Clara's hard at work in her engine room. Trying to get the boilers working again. Sot is doing his best. He's doing his best. He's had his first ever exposure to horrors. Not a fan. Can't imagine so. Not a big fan of those... Or the things that they did. But he's okay. And he's, yeah, he's completely accepting of Cobb's insistence that he be locked up in the lockup. Wherever it is Cobb decides to stuff him. In the locker? <laughs> uh, below deck. Okay, yeah. So, the time comes to gather everybody together and, as Tissa was hoping, talk planning. The best bet is to keep them from boarding. Try and set up a perimeter. Take advantage of the ice flows, if at all possible. Take advantage of the shoreline. The Westbreaker itself is pretty well fortified. It's ironclad, after all. But there are airborne and more mobile horrors that can make it aboard, as they discovered the night before. How's the Glacier Legion feeling about fighting? Because they haven't been doing a whole lot of that and are not exactly in the best of shape. They're there for it. I think with varying degrees of enthusiasm. Ampe is tired. He's just exhausted. But they're crusaders and he's uh, fully cognizant, I think more than most people, of what that means. Gideon is downright excited. Mm -hmm. She's been a bundle of energy since she woke up. She's actively participating in the tactical discussions. Half of what she says makes no sense, but Marcus is nodding and taking it in anyway. Could be that they just don't make sense to you. It's hard to tell. <laughs> and then night falls. Cobb just mostly mentions, and not to be mean, but the folks who have just recently been rescued, I do not feel super good about you out on the front lines there, simply because, like, I don't want anyone who might possibly be exhausted. Obviously, you weren't. I saw what you were eating over there. So, leave leave the front lines to us. Marcus nods. You are our honored guests. We will protect you. We're soldiers, too. Yes, you're soldiers who have been 
unfortunately under siege for half a decade. I don't want you to overexert yourself for anything right as it looks like you're about to get out of all of this. Empe looks like he's about to say something, but Marcus cuts him off. It's fine. We need tactical support from the decks. Clara can't fire all these guns by herself. Not while she's working on the boiler. And Frazan gives like a nod. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. We can do cannons. Let's not have anybody tripping right before the finish line, shall we say. Was that a shot? Hey, was that a shot? (laughs) No, that was a metaphor. You'll be needing a four in a second. I love Clara. Okay, bye. Bye, Clara. All right, Clara. Well, you you stay safe. Good luck. Hey, I don't need it, though. I'm the best. (laughs) Right. She's not going to be able to handle the guns by herself, so... All right. Glacier Legion, your orders are to provide artillery support from the deck of the Westbreaker. And I suppose, Cobbler, that leaves us. Well, it would certainly be nice if we could hold them off somewhere not on the ship. Is there a stable part of the ice floor around here that we might be able to corral them over to? We were able to walk here, after all. Mm. Not sure if it'll hold up to cannon fire, but one can never be sure. If you want someone to act as a diversion away from the ship, I can take the air for a bit. Mm. Uh, Diversionary tactics work best with smaller numbers of opponents. As it stands, any you would divert would be a drop in the bucket. I appreciate your gallantry, but... I see. Uh, There may be too many of them for that kind of tactic. Do they just appear? Are they going to come at us? According to our crew, they came at us last night. Mm. I think they can recognize that the Westbreaker does not belong here. Or they can tell somehow that there are living people aboard. Can Penelope make an understanding survival role to maybe see a thickest part of the ice that's near them or something like that? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Give me that role. That's a good idea. Wow. Actually, I rolled really well. I got three successes. Nice. Nice. That was a really good roll. Yeah, you can see where the cracks are around the Westbreaker, and that's clearly not stable. But there's a large plain of ice that's milky, opaque white. Cracks don't come anywhere near it. Looks pretty sturdy. Actually, I'll do you one better. There is an iron cannonball lodged in this area, and it isn't cracked. Oh, okay. So Penelope kind of like points over one of the uh, the side of the Westbreaker towards where the, the cannonball would be. And I did a loop a little bit earlier and I saw the ice looked pretty thick that way and there was a cannonball that had lodged in the ice and it didn't seem to break the ice. So that might be a stable spot if you're looking for somewhere to hold a front, front line. Is that the term? Front line is exactly the term. Let's move. Mm. Mm. And Marcus starts heading to disembark the Westbreaker. And Caldas is hot on his heels as usual. Cobb makes one last turn to the crew. All right, everybody, we're going to head out and set up for a little bit. We'll be back. Prepare to leave as soon as we can. Yep, and Penelope is also along with everyone as well. 
bringing supplies that are needed to set up. Tissa looks around, looks up, and right now it's a little bit overcast. And she looks at Gediam and says, Later. The constellations will still be up there. Later. Don't worry. I'll be here. Mm. So, now, um, this was cut from the episode of which I brought it up before, but I got a 2 a.m. T- <laughs> I got a 2 a.m. text from one of my playtesters. I know this was cut because I heard it in the bucket. <laughs> But we're going to be trying something a little bit new with combat, which is to say extremely new with combat. So here's the format this is going to take. This is going to be effectively a survival challenge. We're going to start by rolling what I'm calling an advantage pool. This is going to give you a, a certain amount of successes. On your turn, you have a choice. If you do something that increases the party's advantage, that is to say, you're doing something tactical, maybe you're casting a spell to change the environment or what have you, then you are contributing successes to the pool. If you are pressing the advantage and attacking, then you can take as many successes from the pool as you like. Every enemy has got three different, we're going to say tracks. Destroy, Banish and survive. When you're pressing the advantage, let me know which of these three things you're doing. Obviously, destroy is when you're lashing out with a weapon with the intent to destroy the target, not just to corral it. Banish is things like focus or spirits or spellcasting. And outlast is just survival. It's shoring yourself up against a natural disaster or just a huge wave of horrors. These have different difficulties depending on what exactly it is you're fighting. Some things are going to require you to kind of save up. Some things are going to let you spend more aggressively. Everybody on board so far? Yep. Yep. Okay, so let's start with the advantage pool. I'd like everybody to roll me adaptability tactics, just like you would if we were doing initiative. But just tell me how many successes you've got. That was a good one. I got three successes. Nice. Not a great roll from Tessa, an edge success. Okay. Penelope got one success. I think if you keep this edge success, I'm going to, at least at the beginning of this combat, be pretty aggressive with your scatter costs. Hmm. You tailored that very well to make me want to not do that one, huh? (laughs) Oops. I thought about it for a minute, but it's just one success. Okay. Presumably we will get more through fighting. Yep, so just like the old survival pools, you've got a pool of four. Anyone from the party can take from this pool or add to this pool with the power of tactics. Nightfalls over Naka. As it has done countless times, over a thousand since the Glacier Legion was first routed here. And just like all of those countless times, darkness spread over the glittering snow and everything seems vaguely blue and luminous in the cold light of an uncaring moon. 
The ground seems like it's bubbling. Dark shapes boil up out of the snow in lumpy, misshapen, twisted silhouettes and pull themselves together into a horde. There is perhaps one at least every 10 feet, sometimes more than that. Some of them are stooped and bestial in their posture, ragged around the outside and burning with malevolence. Some are more or less upright, some kind of mimicry of human stances, thrown off balance by some out-of-proportion limb or enormous lopsided horn. No two of them are exactly alike, but they are all silhouetted, identical in the inky nothingness of their description. Closest to you is a huge one. It's pulled itself up out of the ice. It took doing. While everything else was on land, it was coming right up. This one was delayed, and as one arm hauls it, up through the ice you can see kelp clinging to it from its journey from the seabed it is shaggy with kelp and with the smoky vagueness of its outline and an eerie green glows behind at least a dozen eyes that open in all directions around its head The way this is going to go is I'm going to start by asking the party what they're doing. And the three of you can act in any order or at the same time if you wish. And then the horror goes. Just like a survival pool, when the horror attacks, you can spend from your advantage pool to avoid the ill effects. Uh, do we have our, like, frontline perimeters set up? Like, what was, what did we bring Well, there's not a lot of fortifying you guys could do in the course of a day. Especially given that most of the materials are being used to repair the Westbreaker. You could set up a bulwark with some spears, like an easy wooden fence with some spears pointing forward. I was thinking, and I guess by that, in that sense, Cobb was also thinking, basically something to keep them away from the ship for a little bit to actually be able to get a couple of, like, volleys of cannon fire into them. Okay. You're probably going to have to back off pretty soon because it's an ice flow. There's not really a whole lot we can do out here. Yeah. Um, so I would say Penelope, what she's been doing is making sure that the fence we're setting up is, um, once that's set up, she's taken to the skies. Not very high, but a little bit up to get a height advantage and is keeping her eyes ready and her bow trained to start picking off any horrors that get close to the perimeter or try to boost the perimeter. Okay. So what you are doing then is you are spending this turn getting in position. Yes. So what you're trying to do is add to the pool, am I right? Yes. Okay, roll me some dice. Tell me what combination of dice describes what Penelope's doing right now. Roll me some dice. I think understanding 
long-range weapons to get into the best position to be able to most effectively keep horrors away from the perimeter that we've set up. Okay, roll it for me. Two successes and two edge successes. Oof. Keep the edge successes. I'm going to introduce a flying horror. <gasps> On the one hand, eh, that might be fun in, like, metagame space, but also, oof. You know what? I'll just take the two successes. Okay. Pools at six. What are Cobb and Tissa doing this turn? I think that Tissa is also being preparatory. And I came across the idea of using a daring focus to try to sense out into the swarm and see what they're like and what they're going to do. And it's daring focus as opposed to sensitivity because I guess she's allowing them to maybe come closer to her than she might otherwise. Because, like I said, I don't think I've ever heard of daring focus being rolled and I wanted to roll it. Oh no, I'm here for it. I love it. I do too. Actually, I was just going to say, I really like that a lot. Yeah. It is a good move. I approve. A success, a three, and an edge success. If you keep the edge success, you won't come back all the way and you'll take scatter. A scatter? A scatter. Okay, I can take a scatter. Okay. Pool's gone up to eight. Cobb is also getting ready. He's got his spyglass out. Um, He's just checking to sort of see where they are and trying to map out a rough idea of where they might go so that way he can get some information back to the ship. I believe that one of the assist pools that idle navigators have is to put words on the wind. Let me double check. Yep, that's absolutely correct. And yeah, Cobb is going to use that to function as kind of a spotter, basically, and set up a good area where we can get some cannon shots on them before they get too close. Okay, so roll me that skill then. All right, I would say this would be probably understanding tactics. Okay, go for it. One success, one edge success. Okay, um, if you keep the edge success, I'm going to up the cost for avoiding the things the horror is about to start doing. Mm, 10 is a good round number, though, so I think I am going to take the edge success. Okay, 10 it is. Nice, okay. And also one in the assist pool for putting words on the wind? Yes, one in the assist pool. Yep, okay. Okay, so this turn, um, Kaldis is casting a spell, and this is a less bizarrely straightforward than his usual, but he crouches to the ground, he lays both hands out on the ice, and... Around the perimeter you guys have set up, on the other side, a great yawning crack opens up. Contributing two to the pool by casting casting Hunting Ice. Ooh. Just kind of open up this maw of ice around the perimeter. Penelope grins as she sees this. She's like, yes, I like spells like this. Yeah. <laughs> Straightforward, easy, obvious spells. Papa's also got his bandana tied around his wrist for good luck. That's good to know. The first thing the horror does is hauls its torso up through the ice. And it reaches across this gap to approach the wall you've set up. And it lets out a shriek, an extremely loud scream. It tears open its deep, 
dark, open throat. You can see this scream lit in green all the way through this silhouetted figure. And you can see pulses of green from beneath the ice as the rest of its body catches up. And let's say either spend two points with the advantage pool or Cobble is not going to be able to roll sensitivity. So fight over. Um, this is an attempt to deafen. I think we should spend the two. That might be useful. Yeah. It's going to be very hard for Cobb to give commands or listen to commands if he can't hear. Okay. And one more action from the swarm. The horror reaches across this open gap of ice and grabs onto the fence. And here I'm going to say, this is going to cost five. It is attempting to attack one of you. Probably, I don't know, probably Tissa. (laughs) I bullied Cobb earlier. Tissa did, in fact, say, come at me, bro, psychically. There was an emotional and a resonant and a psychic come at me, bro, that did happen, yes. So you guys can spend five out of your pool so this doesn't happen. Otherwise, Tissa's going to be wounded and unable to roll daring. Ooh, that is also a very bad... Uh... Oh, by the way, I'm experimenting with replacing HP, by the way. Mm-hmm. Aha. Aha. Um, I think we should spend the five. Let's go ahead and spend that. Yeah, we'll only have three left, but that's better than Tissa getting, like, immediately chomped. Oh, uh, five left. Two from Calcus as well. Oh, right. Basically, I'm just, once per round, I'm going to have an NPC act alongside you. Nice. Okay. That also keeps the amount of stuff you have to do down. I'm for it. Yeah. Go fast. Let's go fast. So it reaches, but your fortifications dig into this enormous arm. And before it can come down on Tissa, it is caught in a bulwark of sharpened wood and metal spear points. Now it's the party's turn again. Your advantage is down to five. What are we up to? I think this is a good time for Cobb to ask for a round of cannon fire. Okay. We have two options with cannon fire. We can use successes from the pool and attempt to destroy or outlast, depending. Or we can add successes to the pool by driving them back. Basically, are we trying to gain a tactical advantage or are we trying to push this fight toward the end? Every action you make is going to be one of these two things, by the way. We're going to try and push this towards the end. This is trying to get some damage in. The big... Well, let me think. There are several of us and only one big boy, but there is also a big swarm. So I think actually what I want to have the cannon fire do is to keep the swarm at bay. Try and separate out all the little guys from big boy here. Okay. That sounds like an outlast. That either sounds like outlast or like driving the pool up. Take your pick, basically. Why don't we do Outlast? Because we haven't tried that one yet. Okay. How many points do you want to spend from the pool to win this? So we've only got five, so... What does everybody think? Two? One? I don't want to spend a bunch. I was going to say three. Three? Oh, wow. This is a big spender here. Big spender. You know what? I'm here for three. Okay. Okay. I'm down with that. I am down for the three points. We'll all be big spender. At Cop's Command, the... Guns of the Westbreaker let out a report that sears through the night, peppers the air with the sound of gunpowder. A volley of cannonballs arc through the night sky and land 
some in the ice, many in the horrors. In an arc just past your fence, driving back the smaller horrors that were pouring in to reinforce the one that you're fighting. Driving the mass as a whole a little further away from the Westbreaker, buying a little more time. I think that I am going to use perfection. Tissa knows that the horror is going to come after her again, so she's going to focus on evading it. And I want to build up the pool with that. I like that a very much. Please give me a roll so I know how much to add to the pool. Okay, so it's going to be perfection for two points in the assist pool, plus I guess it's gonna be understanding spirits. Yeah, I like understanding spirits. I'm definitely gonna be adding two points because of the two you put into the pool, but what else are we adding? We are adding, ooh. <laughs> oh dear, we're at, we have two edge successes and a three. Oh, I was like, I, I can smell a four right now. Um, let's see. If you keep the edge successes, it's going to make enough headway that the party is forced to do at least one either destroy or outlast action next round. I'll be forcing your hand on that. That seems acceptable. Okay. I think I'm going to keep the three. Okay. I had a sneaking feeling you might. The pool's gone up to seven. Uh, what do Penelope? I think Penelope is going to do that thing she does with the electric arrow shooting in her assist pool to, to again keep trying to drive it back. Okay, so are you trying to outlast, destroy, banish, or you're trying to give a tactical advantage? You know what? We have seven. I'll destroy, actually. Okay. So how many successes from the pool do we want to spend on Penelope's act of destruction? We have seven. Is everyone cool with three? Yeah, we just picked up a bunch, so go with the three. Yeah. Go with your bad self. All right. Do it. Roll me your uh, daring rage weapons, please. Actually, three successes. Nice. Three successes? That is a decisive blow. It is looming over Tissa, and Tissa understands exactly what it's about to do next and is baiting it into a good position. That good position is exactly head-on with Penelope's horrible arrow. Would you like to tell me what this looks like? Tell me how cool this looks. (laughs) So Penelope is going to try her best to look like the cool anti-hero in a Western from the 70s. (laughs) And you know, trying to channel if there was a version of Clint Eastwood in in her old cord. Okay, I like it. And pulls back on her bow. Electricity starts crackling between Polly's ears and eyes it up real nice and lines it up into where she sees the 12 eyes, lets it fly. And just big burst of electricity sparkles out as she lets the arrow go. And... I think for a minute, all that green light inside the horror is a brilliant electric blue-white. Just for a moment. I like that very much. Let's see. Marcus is going to add two to the pool. He's just going to roll daring mid-waged weapons. 
he's an expert spear fighter. That's something that you've known about him for a while, but he is driving this horror back, just pressing the attack. He's not actually dealing any damage to it, but it is taking half steps back between that and the damage Penelope did. So we are going into the horror's turn with six points in the pool. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to use going to use the Shriek ability. I think it's going to scream at Tissa. You want to spend two not to be unable to sensitivity? I would, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would also like Tissa to be able to have sensitivity. That is kind of the Tissa way. Speaking of the Tissa's way, it's second attack. And by the way, it gets two. Don't worry about it. You guys get so many. You guys get so many. It's true. If you spend three points out of your pool, this will take you down to one. But if you don't, it will take Tissa's spear. She will be unable to roll mid-waged weapons until she gets it back. Can we keep being spendy? <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have the points to spend, so, I mean, they're there for a reason. Yep. So we're down to one. It reaches for Tissa's spear, but is deflected by Marcus. It attempts to scream, but just about catches a cannonball from the Westbreaker in the face. Thinks better of it. Now we're going into the party's turn. You've got a pool of one. What are we doing? This is going to work alongside Marcus with an understanding mid-range weapons roll mm. to try to continue corralling this big beast so that someone else can make a, an outlast or destroy roll or did uh, Penelope's one from last turn count? Oh, I said I was forcing your hand this round, didn't I? Yeah, this turn. Yeah. Um, no, it didn't. This is a new turn. Okay. Okay, so roll me understanding mid-ranged weapons. Three successes. Three successes is very good. It brings the pool back up to four. What are Cobble and Penelope doing? Penelope's actually going to use understanding riding to try to add to the assist pool by corralling it like she would on the ranch. That's, you know what? <laughs> That's Penelope.txt. Don't know why I didn't think of it before. Please do. Please herd this horror. <laughs> you yeehaw jackass. Please, <laughs> please do. Oh, <laughs> two edge successes. Okay. Ooh, um, let's see. If you keep these edge successes, uh, the party's kind of low on pool. I, I shouldn't cyber bully you. Or should you? If you keep these edge successes, you're going to drop your bow. No ranged weapon rules until you get it back. Um, you know what? Penelope's going to do it. Okay. She's going to keep the edge successes. As she's trying to corral the horrors, she hastily tries to fling the bow on her back and in her haste, doesn't quite get it in right, and it slips out. There is a bright golden light, like the sun, almost, and it congregates in like a dozen places over the ice and forms itself into weird glassy mirages of soldiers in full armor. Someone on the ship has cast hollow allies. I like that a lot. Mm. And these specters all brace their swords, and the only person left to act is Cobble. Have we made our destroy or outlast this turn? No, it's mandatory. Okay, so Cobb, um... We've been corralling the big one for you. We have been corralling the big one. 
while it is all corralled, he's going to run up and try and stick it with his sword. So he's just going to try and make a destroy here, try and get it right in its big screamy throat that it keeps trying to yell at us with. Okay, how many how many advantage points do you want to take for that? Uh, so let's see, the pool is what? We are at six? We are at eight. Oh, according to my math. I th- oh, I guess I thought we had spent more. Okay. Oh, I added two for the allies. Yeah, right, right, right. The reply that this thing has is pretty severe, so... I think I'm only going to do four. Okay, you're going to take four. You're going to roll me that cobble magic? We're going to try. Unfortunately, Cobb rolled very poorly and only got one edge success. Oh, no. Okay. Well, you've still got four successes from having spent four successes, which is enough to mark something off on the destroy track. Ooh. The horror reels under the force of Cobb's weapon. It is still very much operational, but you can tell it felt that one. And it roars not the roar that threatens to steal away your senses, but a genuine roar of what you could swear was anguish if you thought horrors had that feeling. It is hard to tell. And if you'd heard any stories about horrors experiencing anguish, you certainly don't remember them. It was a terrible memory time segue, but we're here. Memory time. <laughs> I was wondering if that was the memory time segue or not. Yeah, we'll finish this combat next time. <laughs> I, um... Actually, I'm I'm really digging how the new combat system is working for like, um, you know, it gives a real tactical feel to like, okay, so who is going to be, you know, supporting and helping us get the advantage? Who's going to be doing the actual like damaging attacks? I'm quite liking the way that the mechanics translate that into the feeling as you're playing. Yeah, so far it's really interesting. I'm I'm curious to see a little bit more of this. Yeah. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. The way this system gets you guys using skills is something that's really enjoyable to me. I saw a lot of really innovative skill use that we hadn't been seeing in combat up to this point. Yeah, that's basically my combat comment is that I think that we get to use some skill rolls that we wouldn't have otherwise. And I dig that. Yeah, I also dig that a great deal. Do we have any other memories? Yeah, so far the push and pull kind of effect of we're building and spending. That has the potential to work for me. I think that that's one of the things where tuning might get crazy. Yeah. On the other hand, maybe not. Like, it kind of reminds me of MMO healing a little bit. Mm. Where you are trying to essentially keep the buffer up enough to survive the next hit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like figuring out when to spend and when to build and whether you can outlast the opponent is, I think, where a lot of the interest in that system might come as we move it forward. Yeah. We got to know when to hold them. We got to know when to fold them. We got to know when to walk away and when to run. 
Yeah, and I think next episode we're going to learn when to run. That we are. That was a threat. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 obviously, the, the, there is no way that we can like actually destroy the swarm. I'm assuming, right? Because it's giant. Yeah, yeah. That's a. Uh, that's not happening. So far, the swarm has kind of been like leaving us alone, but they're still there. They're still there. There's a lot of it. <laughs> it's like a it's like a wave of the ocean. <laughs> yep. Never ceasing. Yuppie yup. Speaking of never ceasing, we never cease to love you, listener. It's true. Yeah. Like it's really exciting to us that you listen to this thing because it's a lot of fun for us to make. Yeah. The thought of you listening to it, hopefully smiling, makes us happy. Makes us smile yeah. in our hearts. So if you want us to be happy, let us know that you listen to us. You can do that on Twitter at Peach Garden RPGs or on the web form at sortofsymphonies.com. It would make our day because every time we hear from a listener, it makes our day. Yes. Yep. And on that note... Like Penelope channeling Clint Eastwood vibes... <laughs> Go ahead, listener. Make our day. There it is. See you next time, listener. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA Actual Play Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to St. Fleur, where the city is modern, the fantasy is urban, and the faction politics are at an all-time high. Join us in Shadows of St. Fleur as we follow the wizard, Alistair Lockwood. Regret to inform you, I'm not a wizard. I am a master of the arcane arts. The scholar, Jeremiah Roderick Crawford. I'm an earl, you know. You're a baron. Those words carry some weight. The wolf, Victor Margaret. Victor stands on the bridge in the cold. Fuck. The fae who is known only as Silk. Um, do we know if this was a, you know, was a standard mugging? And the vamp, Alex Giroux. Quite. Because the first time the door opens, I'm going to push her out. Through their experience in the city. Shadows of St. Fleur is an Urban Shadows actual play podcast with a majority LGBTQ plus cast playing characters finding their way through faction politics, all in pursuit of their own individual goals. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.